Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread. Sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, joined as always by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. Now part of that On3 network. Big change there. Uh, a lot to get to here on the Talking Tide podcast this evening. Of course, you can get us uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, live on YouTube, live on Facebook, you name it. We're everywhere. On Twitter as well, Talking underscore Tide is the handle there. And, of course, Peter Brook, Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, our fine sponsor, a little bit more on them later on in the program. Travis, uh, we launch uh, the podcast uh, here on a Monday night, an unusual – we usually don't go on Monday nights, usually uh, Sundays and Wednesdays, but uh, that's how it worked out. That's how it works out in the summertime sometimes, Travis. We'll we'll be off by a day or so here and there. Uh, but a lot to get to for sure, starting with the UA baseball team. We'll get we'll get started right there, headed to a super regional against that juggernaut Wake Forest squad that's seeded number one. Alabama wins its regional without a loss and uh, takes care of business against Boston College just last night uh, to qualify for that super regional. I went out there, um, wasn't working, wasn't writing a column, uh, but I was in the stands and uh, couldn't have been more impressed, Travis. Dominant effort by Jacob McNary, 11 Ks for him. And uh, Alabama jumped all over a Boston College pitching staff that went through eight arms to get through that game. And uh, it wasn't pretty. Alabama took command early. First inning, Three walks and two hit batsmen, and you blink, and then a a, a single to bring in a, a couple more runs. You blink your eye, and it's four nothing Alabama, and it just kind of went downhill for BC from there. Yeah, what was it? Thirteen walks for Alabama hitters uh, that they were able to draw in that game on uh, Sunday night. So didn't have a home run. I think that snapped a long streak for Alabama. Was it 24, 25 consecutive games with a home run? Uh, but when you walk 13 times, that can kind of uh, make up for some of that. And it's hard to hit home runs if you're you're walking. So uh, big time. That's all you can say about this program uh, and the job done, done by Jason Jackson and that staff stepping into that void. And just an amazing run. Uh, that's all you really know to say about it. They had to earn it. I mean, Nickel State wasn't an easy game in the opener. Uh, Troy definitely wasn't an easy uh, game late night Saturday into early Sunday a.m. kind of feel bad. You do feel bad 
for Troy and specifically the shortstop who had the error there late in that one. But again, kudos more so to Alabama and that baseball team, veteran team, Tommy Seidel, Jim Jarvis, Drew Williamson, Andrew Pinckney. We've talked about all these guys in the past, but doesn't get any easier going to Wake Forest. They were absolutely dominant in their regional round that they hosted and number one seed in the whole thing for a reason, Chase. But I don't know. If I'm Wake Forest right now, I'm thinking, you know, the committee didn't do us any favors maybe under seeding Alabama either because this isn't a team that's played uh, like a 16 seed. It's been more like a, a mid seed, uh, eight to 10 seed in Alabama over these last two months or so. Yeah, I guess 13 out of their last 17 now, Travis, yeah. uh, since, since the And the that's transit. against a lot of big-time competition, too, as you know, right? I mean, yeah. you know, this, yeah. this isn't 13 out of 17 in, in March or, you know, the start of the season. This is SEC, SEC tournament regional rounds, so. They're definitely hitting a stride, and, and uh, a lot of production uh, toward the bottom – side of the batting order against Boston College as well uh, last night. Uh, surprisingly enough, in a game where Alabama scores eight runs, uh, Jim Jarvis, Andrew Pinckney, your leadoff man and, and, and your slugger in the middle of the lineup, they go 0 for 10 between them. Uh, but you move down the lineup and you see a couple hits there, a couple walks there. Ed Johnson with three walks, um, you know, it, it, you know, Dominic Tamez, two hits. He was two for three, a couple more walks for him. Uh, a couple walks for Colby, like you mentioned, you know, they they were handing out walks like candy was that BC pitching staff, uh, presumably gassed. Uh, of course, they had to, to win earlier in the day just to be in that game against Alabama. But always a good sign, Travis, when six through nine is giving you something offensively. It is. And also got out of that jam in its own right, Alabama did in the first inning. Uh, the big double play there to keep that a 4 nothing game after coming out uh, with that run barrage. And you had the review there at first on the throw over from Shelton to Williamson. They go to the review. Um, watching the broadcast, uh, it looked like it was the slimmest of margins that they were able to get that guy out at first. But uh, that was big, too, because if BC can answer there with a run or two or a couple of three runs and you know, you're back in that grind mode again, but um, Alabama played like a team that had that extra game to spare if needed. And you said it just getting there seemed to take a lot out of Boston college. Reinforces just how difficult it is to battle out of a, uh, out of the losers bracket in the, in the regional round, especially in college baseball with pitching already, being at such a premium and you know that's a part of this for Alabama give again the staff and uh, the the guys that have stepped forward because some of the weekend arms by the end of the season were legitimate SEC weekend arms and they weren't guys that before the season you were thinking were going to be legitimate SEC weekend arms because of injuries and uh, things like that but I'll say this you know, if Alabama can just get that thing at Wake to a third game with McNary on the bump, I like them against a lot of people in that scenario right now. Usually, as you go through a rotation, you get to that Sunday guy, you're not running your best guy out there. You know, your Friday guy, then your Saturday guy, then maybe your Sunday guy. But right. uh, 
boy, with the way McNary looked late Sunday night, feel good about that possibility. Anything can happen in baseball. We'll see what Alabama does uh, at Wake Forest in Super Regional play. Turning to softball now, the Crimson Sides softball season comes to an end in Oklahoma City. Travis, uh, I was it's a short trip for me. Of course, we podcasted a few days ago, and I was, I was there at the time. At that point, Alabama hadn't even played yet, but they go 0-2. They lose to Tennessee, and then they lose to Stanford back-to-back days to go out of the tournament. Just not enough offense for Alabama. That was the bottom line. Um, you know, obviously, Tennessee jumped all over Alabama's pitching in that 10-5 loss. Uh, but at the end of the day, the survival game was Stanford, and Alabama just couldn't get anybody on base in that one at all. The, the, the leadoff hitter in all seven innings was retired by that Cardinal pitching staff. And uh, Alabama just couldn't get anything going. Montana Fouts uh, gave up uh, an early run. I believe it was in the second inning. And then Cruz, for a while, gave up a solo home run late. That's all Stanford needed. Yeah, we talked about this on the eve of that game, I believe, that relative to other Alabama teams that had gone out to Oklahoma City, more outs in this Alabama lineup uh, than we were accustomed to seeing. And, Again, give Montana Fouts all the credit in the world. Really, the pitching staff in general, Tennessee can hit the softball. I mean, there, there's a lot of staffs that they can do what they did to Alabama uh, in that opener in, in Oklahoma City. But Fouts, again, just working through a limited situation at best. Uh, you knew it based on her velocity being down a little bit. But, boy, what a competitive individual, elite competitor, Iconic career at Alabama. Stanford, you said it. They had a one-two pitching setup that was not a good matchup for that Alabama offense. And I think Kennedy, uh, the pitcher for Stanford, the young pitcher that came in and closed that thing out, I think she might be the next big thing in college Mm -hmm. softball because she's just a freshman and she is a force in the circle. So tough end for Montana Fouts. but, again, I think even in defeat, she just solidified her legacy at Alabama. If that was possible, to, to ascend to an even higher level, I think Montana Fouts did that. Goody effort for her, no doubt about it. Now Patrick Murphy turns uh, to being minus Montana Fouts for the first time in a long time, right? She's been around since 2019, anchor for that pitching staff. And no so um, he is uh, – He's and he's he, he's bringing in one of the top pitchers uh, in in the from the portal, the top recruits, uh, the one from Arizona, okay, um, Risky, I believe her name is, and you know he's uh, he's bringing in a couple of arms as well. Excuse me, a couple bats as well in this uh, upcoming upcoming signing class. But um, you know it's a uh, and the port and you I think you just alluded to it another arm from the portal, so. Yeah. Uh, a lot, uh, a lot of turnover coming for this uh, for this team, but most importantly in the circle. Yeah, I think the portal is going to be important for Alabama softball, and they've already gone there for Kayla Beaver, the Central Arkansas pitcher that's going to come in, and uh, obviously the hope with her is she's going to be a, a one or a two for sure. Uh, you know, it's just tough. Uh, you, you're not going to replace a Montana Fouts. I don't care who you bring in. Uh, but on the heels of losing Lexi Kilfoyle last year to the portal, right? 
makes it even tougher uh, moving forward. You, you figured this would be maybe the most intriguing offseason for Patrick Murphy during his illustrious and long time as the Alabama softball coach. And I, I think really you've got some young pieces. Uh, Kahalen is short, obviously is a building block big time. Mm-hmm. Pruitt, young player, I think you feel the same way about. But really across the board for this team, not just in the circle, uh, I think the transfer portal is going to be uh, is going to be very important. Probably going to see a little bit more portal activity, I think, from Patrick Murphy here uh, pretty soon. I think uh, it's everywhere too. It you know, is. It's almost like basketball, where you hang on to maybe three or four building blocks, right? And then the roster just turns over a lot, and that's saying something because the thing about Murph is anyone that knows him is just a, a person knows that's a guy you want to play for. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a program you want to play for. And uh, culture is always seemingly really good. So uh, when when he's having to sort of work both sides of that thing, kind of tells you where we're at Mm -hmm. in in college softball. No doubt about it. I I got the sense last year when they got beaten regionals that, that there was a little discord on that roster. Maybe not, maybe not the greatest culture, at least by Murphy standards. Right. And you kind of saw it in the portal, right? Cause there are a bunch of exits uh, out of the portal from that squad Mass. last year. Yeah. Um, and then maybe there'll be a few that, that uh, decide to move on this year, but uh, uh, there's no doubt that this particular team, even though it uh, went out with, kind of a whimper in the WCWS, it was a team that was that Murphy really, really loved. He called it the most gratifying season of his career to coach this team just because of the buy-in. I don't think they get to Oklahoma City if they don't have that. Right. You know, and and obviously Montana was the leader of that team. But kudos to her teammates for allowing themselves to be led. Mm-hmm. That isn't always as easy as it sounds. And a lot of times your star player, and we've heard Nick Saban talk about this in relation to football. It's tough when your star players aren't your best leaders. And it's pretty obvious this year that that was the case for Alabama softball and um, that those players were, they were leadable, I guess you could say. Really quickly going to turn to SEC meetings and Destin Travis, of course, they are wrapped up now and uh, a couple of, I'm going to call them half measures, Travis, coming out of SEC meetings down there. One, obviously they go with an eight game football schedule for 2024 only kick the can down the road. Uh, still, it, it, we're going to, it's going to be like Groundhog Day next, next April. You know, we'll be talking all over again about what that schedule might look like in 2025. Uh, And then kind of a half measure, too, I thought, when it comes to the field storming issue, they jacked those fines up. I guess the fines are doubling now. And, you know, they're going to – it sounds like they're going to demand a little bit more from schools individually in terms of security and and having a plan for getting visitors off the field. But, you know, just (laughs) – as Mike Tyson used to be fond of saying, Travis, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. So, and, that, and that's true. what it is for the league when one of these stormings happens. Yeah, that that didn't seem like much of a deterrent, what we got. And we'll see. Uh, as you said, I, I think as much as anything, uh, there has to be, and it has to come from the league office, what the expectation is 
in terms of security at member schools uh, hosting home games. It, it has to be uniform and across the board and a standard that, you know, that there's no, there's no wondering about what we should do or what we need to do. It's, this is what you're going to do. And uh, they need a trap door the like, the, like they had in the, at the end of the blues brothers, when Jake and Elwood just got out just got off the stage with that trap door, you yeah. know, that, that's yeah. what they need. Just get it right well, behind know, the, right behind the bench. You know? They rope off the teams, you know, um, I don't yeah. know if you can do that in football. There's so much ground to carry uh, cover, but um, I don't know. Maybe you got to bring out the, the horses, you know, the security on the horses or something. I don't Auburn once so. turned the sprinklers on Georgia fans post game that jumped on the the field <laughs> at Jordan Hare. Maybe you just turn the sprinklers on or something. I don't know. It's a long rope to get from the thirty yeah. yard from the fifty yard line of the tunnel. That's a long rope. Uh, that might be a little difficult. Yeah. 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 Those stanchions can get knocked over sometimes. So. <laughs> we'll. See. We'll see how it goes. All right, uh, a little bit more to get to here on the Talking Tide podcast, Travis. But first, uh, time to thank our title sponsor. That would be Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa. Travis, tell us more. Peterbrook Chocolatier there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. We have told you many times that with the arrival of summer, you've got those summer camp opportunities at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Call them between the hours of 10 a.m. and 8 p.m. Central, Monday through Saturday, and they will get you set up and your little ones set up for Summer Camp 2023 at Peterbrook Chocolatier. And, of course, we talked about this, too. You got Father's Day coming back, coming up, and I know Mama's loved and love Peterbrook on their special day. I know Dad's do, too, especially if it coincides with, let's say, maybe the U.S. Open. Which, by the way, Nick Dunlap, University of Alabama golfer, today qualified for the upcoming U.S. Open. So congratulations to Nick. But Peterbrook's going to take care of all your treats and all your goodies and all your chocolate needs right there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. All right, there you have it. Before we close things out here, Travis, we're going to debut a new feature here on the Talking Tide podcast, Talking wow. Alabama Football uh, we're going to call this the too deep tumbler. All right. What I have nice. here is you can, our viewers on, uh, YouTube can see this right now. I've got a kind of a hopper here. Um, it always got, goes back to Vegas with good bread. Yes. I mean, he'll figure out a way to get a roulette will into the show, <laughs> you know, yeah. we'll have slot machines before you know it. It, it, it could have been bandits. a deck of cards. Yeah. 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 We, we, we could have done Billiards. a couple different things, but, uh, uh, at any rate, what we've got here, Travis, <laughs> is a little tumbler with uh, about awesome. 40 balls in it, and each ball's got a number on it uh, representing a jersey number. And so uh, pretty much everybody in the tumbler is in the two deep, more or less an A-day starter. Uh, maybe a couple of guys missing, maybe a couple guys extra that might have some, uh, some extra intrigue. Uh, but what we're going to do here over the course of the summer is we're going to Give the tumbler a turn. We're going to pull uh, two or three of these out. And uh, just a quick thought on uh, whoever comes out. What, of the if, what if they're duplicates? What if they're duplicate numbers, good Brad? That's, we that, do a, that's a bonus. I've already thought okay. of that. That's a bonus. And one. 
Yeah, that's that, that absolutely. That's right. a bonus for our viewers and listeners. Yeah. Uh, matter tails. of fact, I can tell you there are one, two, three, four, five of those uh, double bonuses. Can't get anything past Chase. No, no, no. He's ready. So here we go. He stays ready. He doesn't have to get ready. Oh, I can hear it. Yes. There goes the tumbler. All right. Tumbler almost took a tumble itself. All right. We'll go with three. I feel like we're doing the NBA draft lottery here. That's, that's exactly right. All right, Travis, let's see who's come out of the the tumbler. Uh, we got to get a sponsor for that tumbler, man. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. I got to. I got to make tumbler. You know. I got to. You know, yeah. I got to make the rounds, uh, yeah. the local rounds on, on that, and see if we can get somebody to sponsor it. All right, starting with number thirty-four, that would be Quindarius Robinson. Uh, yeah, we we've got we've pulled out number ninety two, Justin Aboyby. Yeah, and we've pulled out uh, number nineteen, Kendrick Law, wide receiver, young wide receiver, who of course we got, was we got a duplicate there, Keanu Coon. Yeah, what's that? We got a duplicate of nineteen, Keanu Coot, the outside yes. linebacker. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, so who we starting with? Let's Q? let's let's start with the duplicate there. Uh, okay. with law and, and, and coot, uh, law is a guy, Travis, that, that Nick Saban likes. I think that's plain. Every time his name comes up with Saban, he likes the way, I think he likes the completeness of law's game. He brings a little bit of everything. I think, I think he brings something in the, as a block or two that, that uh, in terms of aggressiveness that, that Saban appreciates as well. Um, so as this wide receiving core, um, kind of changes itself into something different from what it was last year. They struggled last year. There's no other way to put it. I think Kendrick Law is going to be a pretty big part of it. I think if he isn't one of those top three guys going into the season against Middle Tennessee, you'll see him probably before the end of the first possession is over. It, it's going to be the equivalent of that. He, he's going to be on the field a lot for the reasons you outlined. Um, he, he plays with toughness. Um, he competes every play as a blocker. You know, I thought last year they didn't get much out of the quick game. And I, and I think a lot of that had to do with they just weren't as good a blocking group on the perimeter. But I think this year when you see the ball thrown or swung to the outside on some of those smoke screens, I think I won't be surprised if 19 is leading the way on, on a good bit of those. And then special teams, too, man. He is a sort of core four special teamer when it comes to coverage, return units. Um, he can do all of that. And and I, I think intangibles as much as anything, too, is what Nick Saban likes about this guy. It seems like he shows up every day and provides maximum effort in every drill, every practice. And you don't have to wonder about if he's going to bring it. Kendrick Law does that each and every day. Keanu Code also, as you noted, uh, wearing that number 19. Uh, what are your thoughts on 2023 for this guy and the challenge he's got to get on the field with uh, a lot of talent at that position? Let's face it, it he, he's in a little bit of a quagmire in terms of numbers. Um, but uh, what are your thoughts there, Travis? Yeah, you know, I, I thought kind of like the guy we're going to talk about in a minute, Q Robinson, I thought he benefited from the absences in the spring, really, of Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell. Because in the 8A game, your two outside linebackers for that first team defense 
were Q Robinson and Keanu Coot. So, um, you know, with Coot, it's been more of an issue with injuries the last couple of years. He just struggled to stay on the practice field and available for an extended stretch. So hopefully he's put some of that behind him because when he signed, he was one of those late surprises a couple of cycles ago that Alabama picked up on signing day. Um, And so he obviously has the ability and I thought in the spring game, he showed some things off the edge, you know, showed a nice little long arm move and a pretty good first step as a pass rusher, dropped him into coverage some uh, in some zone looks. And, uh, but I think for him, you probably start with special teams because we just haven't seen him on the field the last couple of years. I think that's got to be as it is for so many other guys, as you know, Chase, sort of that gateway for him to start with. Just get into the coverage units, the return units, and go from there. Special teams is one heck of a segue to get to Q Robinson, too, isn't it? <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Q. But- yeah, you know what? He had the mistake against Tennessee, and unfortunately, you know, that's what a lot of folks will associate with him still. But you know what? They kept putting him out there on special yeah. teams even after that. So that tells me day in and day out, he had earned the trust of that coaching staff, and uh, it tells you a little bit about him. And and as a pass rusher, you saw it in the spring game. I mean, he was hell on Elijah Pritchett, you know, coming off that edge. You know, Elijah Pritchett at left tackle certainly – had his struggles throughout that scrimmage, and Q Robinson was responsible for some of that. You know, with Q, it's always been kind of like it was with his classmate, Chris Braswell. Physically, when was he going to be able to get to 235, 240? Because mm-hmm. he came to Alabama at like 200 pounds. Right. So it's it's been a developmental situation, kind of like it was for Tim Williams years ago. I mean, kind of the same thing. But, um, you know, Q, it looked like coming out of spring was certainly in – uh, very much in the mix for that third guy on the outside, but you're going to have some real competition coming from some youngsters, uh, some summer enrollees, as a matter of fact, in, in the in the upcoming months. Keeley coming in, right? Keeley so, and Yonsei Pierre. Yonsei yeah, Pierre, yep. So, uh, yeah, Robinson could end up in the mix. You know, Chris Braswell didn't get on the field as much as people probably thought he would last year, certainly didn't have a breakout year. You know, maybe this is the breakout year coming for Chris Braswell. If it's not, then maybe it's Robinson's. Uh, Could be. So we'll see what happens uh, at that outside linebacker position. And finally, Travis, and I'm going to pull these three balls out of the tumbler so that we don't call these, so that we don't pull these out again in a, in a future podcast. Justin Aboybe, we close out with him. Uh, you got to um, – you got to be happy for just the way things have broken for him, right? He had that neck injury, really scary situation last year, uh, suddenly out for the season. Anytime you hear neck or even back, uh, you worry about these guys, what might be in store for them, whether or not it's just smart from a quality of life standpoint for them to even continue playing. And uh, as we've learned, uh, a boy has been medically cleared and uh, should be good to go for the fall, obviously. And and you know he's a he he was an anchor at the defensive end position for Alabama up until the point where he got hurt. Um, not a guy who's going to give you ten sacks, but but that nevertheless um, he sets that edge. He's hard to block, and uh, I, I, he's going to be a welcome. I don't want to say addition because he's already been there, but a welcome return certainly for. 
for that defensive line. Yeah, as you sit here and think about it right now, um, you know, you think of their their three primary guys, their first three guys, when you think about Alabama's defensive front going into this upcoming season, you're thinking Tim Smith, Justin Aboigbe, Jahi Modis. That yeah. would be the three, right? So to have him back in that role, and you're right, he adds that veteran presence. So intangibly, there's some good things there with Aboigbe at this point, but uh, he's a grown man too. So when you think about, as you said, defending the run first and foremost. But I think also he showed, even in the A-Day game, some disruptiveness as a pass rusher. I, I think they're going to need him in that regard, too. They need him to take another step uh, as an interior pass rusher, maybe more so in their in their uh, sub-packages. But I, as I sit here right now, I, and you're right, it's a great story for Justin to, to come back from that situation. I think he's as much of an every-down guy up front for them going into fall camp is as they probably have on this roster yeah they need they need uh, among the three you mentioned a boyby otis smith they need at least one of those guys to be a different player as a pass rusher yeah uh in, in in 2023 um if if two of them step up if two of those three step up from a pass rushing standpoint all the better if that happens then then you could be looking at a at a at a at a dominant group uh because you know you're 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 going to get your share of heat out of you know Dallas Turner off the edge and and uh you know probably somebody else from the other side so uh all that uh important for this Alabama defense but Justin Aboibe you know um great uh great for him certainly that he's been able to come back i think he had I, I, as i understand it you know, there was some numbness in, in the arm for him mm -hmm. uh, that was kind of a signal that there might be an issue. And then the next thing you know, um, you know, they realize it's it's related to the neck and uh, always a scary situation. But uh, good for him and good for Alabama that uh, he will be back in 2023. And the Talking Tide podcast will be back soon enough. Uh, so we're going to sign off now for Travis Ryer. Of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. We'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.